Tri-Ball is ready. The Tri-Ball Pinball Podcast starts now. Welcome to Tri-Ball Podcast, Episode 4. I am Johnny Pinball. I am Matt McCarty. And I'm Neil Graff. What are we talking about today, Neil? Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we should start off with the Triple Flip Open, because that just happened this last weekend. Yes. The Triple Flip Open, located in De Pere, Wisconsin. Yep, consisted of, well, technically four tournaments if you came on Friday and were there for the whole weekend, but they had a uh, fair strike knockout on Friday night for eight strikes. It wasn't fair. No, not to some. Unfair uh, strikes. Progressive strike on Saturday night. And a target match play Sunday for those who didn't qualify for the main event finals. The main event was Saturday afternoon. All classics in a uh, match play qualifying format. And then the finalists played off on Sunday while the rest of us did target match play. All right, let's start on Friday. Friday, we we had to get there on Friday, 5 p.m. start time. And that was the fair strikes. This is different for me. I don't think I've played in a fair strikes before. Because it was what zero, one two two. Is that how it went? Zero one one two. Okay, zero one one two. Yep. So second and third get both get one strike, which is you know unfair. I don't like that because I'll usually get all seconds and I'll be out with the pack. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling because Johnny doesn't ever get first, but he can get second a lot, and I got second probably five times. Yet I was eliminated in round seven. Yeah, and it's a bad feeling because you're getting the same as third anyways. You'll blow up a game and still get second, and it doesn't matter at all. But what if you get third? Then it's a good feeling. Third is definitely a good feeling. You know, you come up to the game, maybe you're player four and you're last. You're like, I only got to beat one person, and then that's it. You don't have to struggle to try to get to second place or even – well, you know, you're obviously going to try to get to first, but – if you just get third, you can be a little comforted. But yeah, it's a weird format. The Ricky Bobby format. If you're not first, you're last. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, not my favorite. I like the other format where you use like 0-0. Zero, zero. Was it 1-2? Do they have something like that? We primarily play Lenient Strikes, which is 0-0-1-1. Zero, zero, one, one. Okay, that's my or favorite. Zero, zero, one. But then it's a much smaller strike target. Such as like four. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of the progressive strike where it's the zero, one, two, three, and the strikes go in order based on what position you get. So it's like a match play with strikes and your people are getting knocked out, but you still have a chance to win the tournament. You always have a chance to win the tournament, even if you're at nine strikes. Right. So I fared better than seven rounds, I think, in the fair strike on Friday. Actually, I think I took like 20th. Neil, you won that thing? Yeah, dude. Usually I don't do good. Like I usually hate fair strikes, and I ended up getting a bunch of wins right off the bat. And Wallwood was the last matchup for me, and got him on Vector, but barely. It was a good match. Did you get the rollover on the plunge? Yeah, the, the skill shot where you just uh, yeah. do a little hammer plunge, and you get 75k each time. <laughs> I, I like to think in my scenario, because I didn't watch, I went to bed, it, that's how you won by just getting those skill shots. I mean, it could have been, honestly. Just that little bit to get you over. So, uh, any other big names uh, that we we were up against? Um, Walt Wood, uh, Adam McKinney was there. He's a pretty good player at District 82. 
can't forget about the orange hat, Luke Nahorniak. Luke Nahorniak. Both Nahorniaks were swinging this weekend. Oh, dude, Tate, Tate Nahorniak, uh, who's Luke's brother, is so good at pinball. He just doesn't usually go to a lot of stuff, and he doesn't really know the rules to everything, but he has the flipper skills. It's all there. He, he just needs to put it together. Pulled up the top 100 here. Just let me know if these guys are there. Was Jason Zoller there? No. I was the highest-ranked player. Okay, so no Escher, no Zach McCarthy. A lot of the young players weren't there that typically come the heavy hitters. Okay. Were they there for the other days? No. Okay, they were just gone the whole time. Yeah. I saw Stephen Bowden there, so he's right behind you, number 11. Can't believe he's ranked that high. Wow. Steve, you snuck up there. I thought you were, you know, still in the spaceship helping out David Fix, but... Well, and he ended up winning the... He ended up winning the progressive strike. So he actually did good in the weekend, too. Nice. He's an interesting guy to talk to. And then uh, I see Luke is right behind him in 13th, so cool. Good job, Neil. Good to have the hometown win. Yeah, I got to represent Wisconsin. Yeah. Woo, Wisconsin, before you go become a traitor on us and represent Minnesota. Yeah, and then me and Luke are going to keep sweeping everybody. Yeah, it was a fun weekend of pinball. Eric put on a great event. Not too many uh, tough TD calls. Couple, like uh, one game accidentally got reset by a different tournament director, getting a stuck ball out, closing the coin door and hitting start, which I have done before. Most people have, but uh, I had a situation on Twilight Zone very similar to your question from the last podcast, Neil, where the guy, he hit lit gumball, hit it into the gumball, but it started Powerball Mania instead of just granting him the powerball and then having to hit the gumball again to start powerball mania it just started powerball mania and he trapped up and it was like a oh, beneficial malfunction play on so that was fun yeah yeah that kind of leads me into your tournament director question if you're a bozo or a super genius right johnny that was the that was the thing yeah that was the segment name bozo or super genius and it actually has to do with Twilight Zone, so let's just knock this one out. Is Matt a bozo or super genius? All right, set us up. Twilight Zone, and when uh, you end your ball and it shows a replay, you can actually hit both flippers in and it'll give you points. I don't know, I kind of forgot how many points it is. doesn't really matter. So let's say if I end my ball... And I get the replay awarded. Some guy steps up, hits the flippers, trying to cancel the bonus, gives me the points from the replay. Is that a DQ or not? Wow. That is a tough one because he did technically kind of play your ball, but didn't. You'd have to know the machine to even know, right? You know, he just, he, he's basically waiting for his turn and trying to speed up your bonus, correct? Yeah. And then he accidentally gives you the advantage of more points by hitting those flipper buttons. Um, I would say it's just free money for you, and I would not DQ him if it was my choice. Yeah, unfortunately, that's incorrect, Matt. It would actually be a DQ per Josh Sharp. I did hear him say this, so you are incorrect, and you get the, the big bozo. Well, you know, the more you know. It's one of those that's pinball moments, you know what I mean? It's like, well, you're never going to do that again after 
hitting the flippers and you didn't know it, but it sucks, right? It's still not fair. This ruling, this is interesting because um, this is a situation, and I kind of wanted to talk about this just so, you know, everybody's aware of this. This is a good pinball rule um, for everybody. If you didn't plunge that ball, don't touch the machine, even if it is your ball or whatever. So it happened. I was playing Electronimo and uh, somebody tilted. It's a stern electronics. So a ball goes in the shooter lane. It advances to the next player, but the flippers are dead. Once you plunge, you're good to go. So player two tilted. It went to player three, who was me. I had a ball in the shooter lane. I walked up and I plunged it and I just started talking to player two, like, Hey, what's going on? And the guy who was player four, like ran up and tried to catch the ball. He's like, that's your ball. And like, tried to hit the flipper buttons. I'm like, no, it's not dude. Relax. And (laughs) then the ball drained and then it was my turn. But somebody actually did that where somebody got a ball save. They walked away from the game and the player walked up and caught their ball. And said, hey, you got this ball save. This is uh, your ball. And that player who did that got DQ'd because he played that player's ball. Trying to do the right the right thing, quotation marks, got him DQ'd and he was not happy. That's a big tournament tip is just never touch it until it's your turn. Like even if it's showing bonus and you're trying to hurry up the bonus because you can still tilt their ball. You can still tilt their bonus, which, you know, same situation. It's another DQ. Yeah, that that second story I could see more siding with DQing it because you you did take over his live ball, you know, versus not knowing on Twilight Zone that there's a secret bonus because I didn't know that. Right. You know. I didn't either. But, yeah, if you don't plunge that ball, let's say you had a – you know what happened to me when I accidentally I was getting a ball out of the trough on Star Trek, and when I put the lockdown bar, it auto launched that player's ball. The player was like, "I ain't touching that," you know, and he backed away from the game, which is the right call. If you don't watch that ball, don't touch the game. If TD accidentally launches your ball, don't try to catch it. Don't address it. Just let it go, and you'll you know be compensated. Yeah, that's your tournament tip for the day. I I have one thing that happened to me in the tournament, and that wasn't controversial it was just one of those that's pinball moments i guess that kind of sucked we i was player four on uh supersonic and the first person had only programmed in the game three players so by the time it got to me i noticed it was back on player one i'm like ah we're gonna have to restart Um, we got a td and that's what we end up doing but basically they all got a practice ball and i didn't um, and they were, you know, those first ball scores were under 10,000 for all three players. So, yeah, I was a little annoyed when uh, they got their true game started and one person got over 150,000 on their first ball. It's like, come on. Yeah, that happened a couple times over the weekend where, you know, on Mustang that happened, players started a one-player game and that was it. And they're like, well, I can play it out. And then the other three, no. I mean, you think that would be the right way to do that, right? You know, have those three people finish the game they already started, and then you play a solo game and figure out the, the scores afterwards, but that's not how it works, unfortunately. Not in the IFPA handbook that way. 
So I got screwed out of a practice ball, and that's a game that I took a strike because I lost by 10,000 on that one. But that's all on me. I could have just one more flip. Yeah, I mean, Matt's had a bad TD rulings before. You want to you wanna tell the story, Matt? Ooh, set the stage. Well, I'm going to put it into context for all you listeners out there. This league, it is an IFPA-approved league, but it's more social. We have a lot of couples in it. You know, it's not super hardcore, but we were playing an EM, and um, I wasn't on the game, and a player was up, and he was on ball three, and one of the other players starts shaking the back box. He's like, oh, this thing is loose. And he shook it so hard, he tilted player three's ball before he plunged it. So... We gave player, there's no progression on this game. It's an old DM. We gave player three, or who got his ball tilted to compensation ball, and the other player actually did not de- get DQ'd because I just kind of had a soft spot, I guess. And uh, one of the players got beat by him, and he was not happy with the ruling. And I, you know, I can understand that. But I'll take uh, full blame for that. If that happened anywhere else, yeah, they'd get DQ'd. But it's kind of more of a social atmosphere. Why would someone start messing with the back box anyway? That That's what's boggling my mind here. It boggled all of our minds. But he just walked up and started shaking it. Oh, this thing's loose. <laughs> and um, and this, this player, I mean, he's run a few tournaments himself. He ran a few this past weekend. Um, the triple flip. So he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Might as well leak the name, huh? Uh, if you can't figure it out by now. <laughs> Maybe one or two mini beers in him. That could be. Yeah. Yes, this was a location that does have a well-stocked bar. Needed to have a martini in hand. <laughs> he's freaking Archer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he should have definitely known better. <laughs> and that's kind of why it's just like whatever who's play on and then my friend peter who took fourth was not happy and he let me know oh peter will get over it he yeah will. we know peter but that was my bozo call of the month call of the year that's the only bozo call this year we'll call <laughs> it here you might lose your clown nose with that call with the turn it in that's it everything else will be yeah. by the book matt's streak is over well, guys, uh, we're pretty much done with the weekend tournament. Yeah. What's what we got next, Matt? Well, we have a possible another heads up tournament coming in the future. We did the Foo Fighters one and the James Bond one. Both were a lot of fun. Um, I won a belt. Neil won a belt. So I guess, Johnny, you'll have to win the belt at the Bond 60th one. And then we'll all have belts. Yeah, I had a lot of fun playing at the Foo Fighters one, so we'll see about a belt. But, yes, it will be a Bond 60th because we actually have access to two of them. And um, it'll be at a hopefully a new upcoming uh, Appleton Pinball location when it opens. Um, more on that later. But You should have a dress code where you have to dress up like James Bond to play. I already got the shirt. Good. Yeah, Matt's got like all these like Hawaiian pinball shirts. <laughs> I have like two. That's all of them. Yeah. I actually got my uh, Coca Cola Hawaiian shirt on right now. 
Ah, so you're a Pepsi or Coke guy. Coke, I, it sounds like. I don't care, honestly. It doesn't matter. Just give me a liter of cola. And yeah, and a large Farva. Well, yeah, we we uh, like that tournament format a lot, and this would be very unique as not many places will have access to two uh, Bond 60th anniversary editions. And um, it's a fun game. And uh, I would think we could talk some strategy on, on how to play that game. Yeah, let's go into a deep dive. Yeah, before we before we do deep dive, I have a very important question. Neil, when you go up to that game, what sounds do you pick? Dude, uh, okay, I don't mind the modern ones. I also like okay. the, I think it's like 80s electronic. That one's really okay. nice. Okay, Matt, what sounds do you pick? So, you know, they have the default ones in the game, but Stern has... If you go to their website, you can get more QR codes. I do the vintage 1980s sounds. So it's all the 1980s sounds, but they take out like the call outs and stuff like that. So it's like actually playing the 1980 machine and they have it with every year. Like it's weird playing the 60s one where it's just bells and chimes, no call outs, no nothing. It's kind of interesting. I like that, Matt. I didn't know about that. So that's a uh, heads up to everyone out there. I play the 80s sound, but it'd be better without the call out. So I'll have to go get that QR code. Yeah. How does that work? You just scan it on the insider or something? Yep. You scan it after like you scan yourself in. When you're up, you just scan it and you can change. They got QR codes for every sound. So you can change it in the middle of the game if you'd like. You just scan it and it, it will change the, the sounds. Wow. That's amazing. It's worth every penny, 20K for that, you know? You got to go to the arcade of your little paint swatches. All right, this one here, light blue. Okay, that's 80 <laughs> <Right>? sounds. <laughs> exactly. Like, be a janitor of QR codes. So, Neil, what's the first thing you want to do on Bond 60th? You got to go for that super skill shot lock. Like, you know what I'm talking about? You just hold up left flipper. I know what full you're talking plunge. about. Why don't you explain it for everybody? Yeah, yeah. Let me explain it, Matt. You gotta calm down. You hold up the left flipper, you full plunge it, and you shoot the lock, and that will uh, you shoot the like the inline drop targets, and that will light your multi ball lock. And so you can get your into your multi ball right away by doing that. Noob question: When you do that, are the drops down or up for the inlines? Up. The drop. Yeah. Okay. They're always up when when you start, and you just hit the first drop target, and it'll drop all three. And say, okay. say multi-ball is ready. Yep. Like the saucer and attack from Mars. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go. You also want to shoot bond targets on the left, which lights your odd job disc spinner, which is like my favorite strategy of the game because it's fun shooting that little uh, disc spinner. And that will give you uh, like some mo like different award perks type of things. Like you get hold bonus, then you get like a spy camera where you can instant light multi-ball. Uh, you also get um, like a outlane revive. And what's the last one, Matt? The last one is gadget multi-ball, the best one. Yeah. So you're gonna multi-ball and you just rip the hat spinner over and over. It's kind of cool i haven't lasted very long in it i've gotten to it a few times but i always screw it up i always bozo it up right away yeah and then there's also the m16 targets up the middle which those will give you the actual modes um i 
because some of them are good. I love the odd job one, which is still the same thing where you yeah, just shoot the just disc thing. I love that hat spinner up in the middle. It's so much fun. I do as well. I always think it's supported on both sides, but it only has the one nub. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't no lantern in a totem. This is this is Elwin design. <laughs> Pure class. Exactly. Yeah, and then when you do that bond target strategy too, if you collect your bonds, you can get another multi-ball ball by collecting all five, which are collected at the top left saucer. Yeah. Yeah, and then also I love doing the five spinners. You shoot basically it's not even that hard. You shoot three shots basically. You know what I mean? You shoot the up the middle for the loop, then you shoot the little uh, thing by the saucer and that'll come down and then you shoot the disc. So three shots gets all your five spinners and you get 500 points for it, which is actually a lot in the game. Yes, it is. And it's very satisfying to do. Yeah, it's amazing. I think I did that on Sunday and I was screaming, hey, look at <laughs> everything spinning. You want, anything you like, Johnny, about the game? Uh, not really much time on it, but I do really like playing it when I do. So it's good to know that you can do that spinner combo. You know, just playing it as a noob, I just like shooting that left little orbit thing. And I love inline drops whenever a game has those. So it's kind of what I was flailing, fl eh, flailing around with before. Yeah, it's not a super deep rule set or anything. So it's just simple kind of modes and stuff. But it's definitely shots are satisfying and a lot of spinners. And who doesn't love spinners? I know Matt does for sure. I love spinners. It's his favorite thing. So I think that would be an awesome objective for the heads up tournament. Five spinners at once. Yeah. Does it display anything on the screen? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it'll it'll tell you it, it like let's say you have four of them going, it'd be like shoot the center spinner for five or shoot the hat or you know like it'll tell you to shoot the last one it gives you a little bit of a leeway time yeah okay probably another one will be that super skill shot lock a ball thing but speaking of the gadget which are kind of the same start a mode but multi-ball will be really interesting with that skill shot so go ahead neil I think it'll be fine with the because you can add like a little thing to it. You still have to finish the the multi ball, but you know what I mean. Because if you drain, you still have to you have to reset. So multi ball is definitely tougher because of the reset factor uh, of that. So maybe you just keep uh, doing your plunge and draining if you don't get it. That's what I was gonna ask. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you do that if you miss a skill shot? Just keep keep draining until you get it. Could be exciting to watch you might have to set it on 10 ball <laughs> well you can reset the game yeah that's true so the bond heads up should be pretty exciting so hopefully everybody can come out and join us for that i think that'll be a great tournament if it happens still a rumor unfortunately no raffle for this one yeah you can't win a bond 60th <laughs> well what you know we could if dave's tired of his or you are <laughs> your dad. That's definitely not happening. $500 a ticket. Well, the Shriners could just raffle off another pro game. They could. Yeah, it's a great idea. 
seemed to be a successful fundraiser for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I've got a, a side tangent on that. So the person who won, um, was it uh, Greg Pittner, I believe? Yes. He only bought one ticket and won. So it just takes one ticket to win. And I know a lot of people bought more than one. Yeah, that's cool that only one person, like that someone bought one ticket and won. That's really good. You know what I mean? Just gives everybody more of a fighting chance that, like, you still have a chance. You got that 1% chance. That's yeah, one in 100. The person who bought 12 tickets didn't win. Ooh. Well, he should have bought 50. Yeah. Why not buy 50 and pay for the full price of the game? Yeah. Then you're probably going to win. Money goes to a good cause. It doesn't just go to Dave. Yeah, and in Wisconsin, you have to be a charity to hold a raffle, so it's all legit. Yeah. Now, there were rumors that there was some sh- there was some sharks in the building after that raffle was done. Uh, a lot of people were swimming towards the winner with some cash in their pocket trying to buy the game for cheap. Yeah, Eric Thorne definitely being one. Just trying to snag that one. I wouldn't mind if he got one, though, for District 82. So I, I was kind of hoping he would get it, you know. What would you do if you won? Would you sell it? I would keep it. I would keep it. I'd keep it as well. So let's hope we don't win then. (laughs) Speaking of rumors, uh, so July is apparently when the next Stern Cornerstone will be released. Ooh, Venom. Or something else, maybe. Or debuted at Comic-Con. So is Ozzy going to be there? Ozzy again this year and uh, Todd McFarlane? Maybe. You have, do you have any uh, deep knowledge, Matt? I know sometimes you really get in the weeds with your pinball sources. I just heard that Stern's new game will be playable at Comic-Con, which is in July. Like, verified. I don't know, okay. map. Canada. Map Arcade. <laughs> All map the sources. Arcade. <laughs> Speaking of which, this, this weekend pinball is back to having stuff every Monday, which is nice. They do a good job. They have that nice store to buy merchandise. So I do appreciate all the work they put into pinball because just in the little bit I do, it is a ton of work. Yeah, so the Venom, I've heard, is supposed to be uh, like the comic book version, not the not off the new movies or anything. That's so, the right way to go. That's the absolutely 100% right way to go. Yeah, so you don't have to deal with all the licensing. And it's. I feel like it would just be a better pinball machine overall with the comic. The comic is a better property. I'm a little nervous with Brian Eddy. He hasn't really had something that's clicked with me yet since he's been at Stern. And what was his last game? Mando? Mando. Mando! Yeah. Ah, Mando. Yeah, him and Dwight. So I wish he would get a different programmer too, because Dwight's kind of always like, choose your house, choose your turtle, choose your best car. I did like uh, Game of Thrones, though. I did like the Game of Thrones code, except there are a lot of exploits in it and such, but I feel like that's one of his best coded game how long did it take to get to the best coded game status because wasn't that years after it came out right because he kept you know putting out new versions i don't know i just think uh dwight while i've met him he's you know not personally met him but you know met him at a show he's a very nice guy but i maybe side with slam tilt bruce that maybe he's could use a little help with his code yeah, uh, maybe get the new get Raymond on there. They did hire a new Stern employee Ooh, on the programming we, we side. Got. It's a Elizabeth Geske. She's a she's a pinball competitive pinball player herself. I've played against her. Don't know her. So that'll be cool to see what see what she first goes into. Yeah, is there ever really a perfect code? 
Is there a perfect code? That's a good segue. Godzilla. Godzilla has the problems with the animations and such, but it's overall really good code. Yeah, overall it's really good, but like I get, I get really frustrated with games that lock you out of things. And the new Bond code, unfortunately, kind of does this too, but it's like whenever I start Monster Rampage on Godzilla, I just, I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, I want to progress. Or when you have Monster Zero lit and you start a mode and you can't, you can't escape the mode, you have to start the mode. Right. But I've, I've uh, talked bad about Godzilla enough on this podcast. I don't need to anymore. No, no, this is going to be a reoccurring theme. We'll see how Matt's feeling. It's going to start dipping <laughs> in sales, and Stern's going to come back at me. Yeah, they're gonna, it's going to start dipping in sales after they sold 10,000 units, and they're going to blame Matt McCarty out of little northeast Wisconsin. Keith Allen's going to be mad at me. I've got <laughs> to say AIQ is, has one of the greatest codes of all time. I love the code. Yeah, I enjoy it. I can't think of any problems. And it's so deep, you know, you have so many different options. It goes very in-depth. Yes, one of the few games I have finished without... Well, if you count Death Saves cheating, I guess, but... (laughs) The IFPA does. Well, they don't regulate in my kitchen. (laughs) Nor should the state legislator. (laughs) America! Exactly. Uh, I also like Paragon. That's a good code. Oh, way back when, huh? Shoot the Golden Cliffs. Spinner. Perfect. Paragon's junk. <laughs> what? No. Say that again? Too many drop targets. I mean, uh, I, I think guess. it needs to be wider so they can fit more drop targets. Even wider, huh? <laughs> it yeah. makes you work. All right. I want that game to be so heavy you can't nudge it. All right, are you guys ready to play 20 questions with Party Cardi? All right, let's get it. 20 questions. Okay, listeners, our 20 questions game is Fishtails. All right, I have a pinball machine picked out. You guys are allowed to ask 20 yes or no questions to determine the name of the game. Now, we stumped him last time. I don't know if stump's the right word, but we we got it last time. We really got him. We are perfect score right now going into this. (laughs) Just like like Matt and his TD rulings until this episode, huh? He's perfect, yep. Until (laughs) Until he told us he wasn't. All right, we'll let Neil start with the guessing this time. All right. Is it a Stern pinball machine? No. Was it made before 1990? No. Okay. So, wait. This is a question to Johnny right here. Is that all DMD? Like, after 1990s, is that mostly DMDs? DMD started in 91, yes. Okay, so, so I think we should... Pretty sure they made Pulp Fiction after 1990. Uh, it's not out yet. I mean, you could still pick it, though. We don't know. Um. All right. Is it a dot matrix display? Yes. Thanks for wasting your question. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it could have been an LCD. Is it a two flipper only game? Yes. Ooh, that narrows it down. Hmm. Not much, I don't think. Oh come on! A lot of games back then had a lot of flippers. Okay. I wanted to try to ask a question, like, trying to be specific about, like, modes or multiballs, but I don't know how to quite ask that. So we'll just go with a pinball manufacturer. Uh, Williams. That's a pinball manufacturer. What's your question? That's the question. Did they manufacture it? Yeah. Yes. And we're 
doing this like last week where it's what it's branded on the back box? Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I should have checked. Look that at the back box, man. Back box, smack box. Yeah, it's on the back box. Okay. I feel like it's a Brian Eddy game, Neil. I just got that feeling because he was thinking Venom. Ooh. So I'm going to ask the question, is it a Brian Eddy game? No. All right. Is it a Pat Lawler game? No. What? <laughs> is it No Fear? No. Well, that was a specific guess. I had, I had that deep down truthiness gut feeling on that. All right, so William. Oh, that has three flippers. I'm such an idiot. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. The ramp up top. All right, Williams with two flippers. So did Neil. It's okay. <laughs> I, I don't waste guesses. All right, Neil, it's your guess next. I don't know, Johnny. What are we thinking? All right, strategy. So not Lawler. Who else designed games back then? We have Barry Osler. We have St- Steve Ritchie. There might be some crazy one-offs like Ward Pembleton. All right, it's probably got to be obvious. It's going to be like Steve Ritchie. All right, Matt, that's that's my question. Is it Steve Ritchie? No. Oh, we're going in the weeds. Wow. Really dumpster diving this one, huh? Is it Barry Osler? No. And you're halfway through oh. your questions. We're at 10 now? Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> All right, think about it. DMD game. Who made Gilligan's Island? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, that's a that's a bally. So never mind. Let's go over the first one, right? That was T two. That's a that's a Richie. Um, All right, we're, we're, Okay, how about we narrow it down by years, maybe? Okay, yeah, I like this. Um, so it's either it's like ninety one through ninety nine. Okay. Really. So was it before nineteen ninety five? Yes. Okay, there we go. We have five year range now. Okay. So 91, 92, or 93, or 94. Okay, I got a shot in the dark. I'll let you go, Johnny. Make sure. You want to confer with me what you're thinking? No, it's Johnny's turn. All right. We're cheating. Uh, I'm just going to go flipper count. So is it a three flipper game? Or exactly three flippers, what I mean. Is it exactly three flipper game? Well, you I already asked if it's a two flipper game. You already asked if it was a two flipper game, and I said yes. Oh, you dang it. You said two flipper only. You made sure to specify, like you're rubbing a genie lamp. Jeez, I I have amnesia. You should ask if it's a 1995 on the dot. I thought you already asked that. No, I said before 1995. Then it wouldn't be 1995. Then it wouldn't be 1995. (laughs) You're right, you're right. All right, is it 1994? No, when I graduated. What are we looking at here? 91, 92, or 93. All right, is it 1993? No. Dang. You would have been better off sticking with designers. Wow. What? what how many questions have we used? 13. Jeez. I can't think of any more designers, to be honest. And we're not allowed to Google, right? We can't Our only option is 92 at this point, right? Well, 91. I'll go if it's in 1992. Yes. All right, okay. That was a good pinball year. Adam's family. Let's go. Um... Fishtails? Is it Fishtails? Mark Ritchie. It is Fishtails. Oh. Good job, Neil. And I kinda like I I was talking about Pulp Fiction earlier. I'm like shit, I gave him a clue. 
but uh, <laughs> he didn't catch it, you know, because he designed Pulp Fiction as well. No, yeah, you had me thinking Brian Eddy. Good job, Neil. Thank you. Gold star. I'm thinking of making it like six questions, but providing clues. Hey, however you want to change it, that's fine. People love it. Just like they love Rumor Corner. Like, uh, this Rumor ball Corner. has two flippers, one captive ball, one drop target. Oh, that's good. A saucer and a scoop. I like that more, I feel like. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Mystic. No, this is Fish Tales. Oh, it's got a saucer. It's got a captive ball. He's just making an example. Yeah, like if I if I gave you all those clues and then limited the number of questions, that could be kind of fun too. And then with the clues, it makes it funner for the listeners to kind of. So maybe we'll try that. Tune in next time for that. Next time we will try that. Speaking of all these pinball manufacturers, I think we should talk about kind of about kind of all of them, right? Like. We can rank them, kind of see which ones are going to kind of fall off the radar, you know, kind of go away. This is kind of like your market trends, like who's going to be around in five years? Kind of, yeah. Stern. Stern, definitely. We can cross that one off the list. We're in trouble if Stern doesn't make it. So yeah, I would say Stern's probably going to be around in five years. Yeah, cross that one off the list. Okay. What about George Gomez? Will he be around in five years? Unless he wants to retire. That's what I mean. I think he's like 67. I don't think so. I think, yeah, he would retire. Good old Long Lawler hung out there. And, you know, George Gomez has created something pretty cool, and I, I think it's kind of hard to give up on something like that you put so much of yourself into. You know, so maybe he'll hang out for a bit. Oh, yeah, I agree. I hope he stays, but all these people, you know, eventually will have to retire. Like Gary retired this year, so. Yeah, exactly. But he was 75. We got we got George for seven more years. And he has a big passion for <laughs> pinball. I, you know, he if you're on Facebook and you say something, I mean, he'll reply. Like, on a stern, he'd be like, oh, that just wait, you know, until the next patch, we're going to address that, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I love the guy. I feel like he's really the idea man there. All right. All right. We're kind of going off topic, but I'll list a manufacturer. How about American Pinball? They're dead. DOA. <laughs> In how many years? Five years. Whenever Mukesh closes the checkbook, David Fix hasn't fixed that company. Yeah, I'd hate it's to. It's just more the same. I'd hate to agree with yeah, you. Yeah, but they can't just, they don't know what's like, what the trends are or anything. They, just, they've never had a hit. You not know, really. Like a take my money now game. It's They, they operate in a bubble, and that bubble is whatever the one person who makes a decision whim they're like oh you know what i think it'd be cool if we made a game about a tank or a game that folds into a tank and then they just like that's what we're doing no market research no popular theme attached to it just we're making a tank yeah trying to i think they were trying to take a attack from mars vibe from it but didn't really work out it like that yeah then go to go to whoever owns williams and license the attack from mars name call it like attack from mars 2 Chicago Pinball already did that. <laughs> right, they, they're remaking the original, but who's to say they couldn't license the brand for a sequel? Revenge from Mars? Oh, yeah. Remake Pinball 2000s. That'd be an interesting remake. So, uh, yeah, Matt, do you think they're dead too? I, I honestly do. They just haven't... They're going to just keep losing money, it almost seems. And 
I don't know about the economics or anything like that, but I don't think Galactic Tank Force is selling super well, and they kind of, American football itself seems to kind of go dark with customers. Uh, it could, in five years, I, I'd be actually impressed if they were still around, if their bankroll hasn't been pulled. You know, what I'd like to see is another company manufacture game that's tournament ready. Like, really, it's just Stern for tournaments. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jersey Jack's had a few with dialed in. I feel like that's a solid tournament game. But just think of District 82. There's no Jersey Jacks. They got a nickname for them. That's more because of the price, too. Yeah, exactly. That's price is a big issue. If you dropped off a Wonka at Thorns and said, here you go, buddy, he'd be like, great, and put it in. You think he would? He even had a, he actually had a Wonka. That was Joe Stades. Yeah, but he still put it in. Like, I know. He had a Jersey Jack. He did, but he had a bad nickname for it, so I don't know if he really liked it. Everybody right. says Jersey Junk. Everybody. Just one of those things. They're not actually that bad. They're not. Okay, so do you have any advice for Jersey Jack? to get their games more tournament ready. They really need to step back on the code, but <laughs> Jersey Jack's not making their game for turn players or for like home collectors. Uh, Keith Johnson is crazy with this code. It's What if they released a game called the Tournament Edition where it's it ends up in tournaments, but the tournaments don't own the machine. It's like a leased program. Thorne doesn't have to buy the game, but it can be there as long as he hosts tournaments. What's in it for them? Well, they get brand recognition and the prestige of being in a tournament. And then it's all the tournament players will be playing it. And maybe someone will buy one because they like how it plays. That would be a good idea for, I mean, any marketing strategy. Like that's actually been discussed with distributors saying, hey, put your game at District 82 and we'll advertise it. Like, hey, you want this game? It can be yours for, you know, six grand, whatever. But never really took off yeah i'm surprised no one's no one's tried done that there but it it just, just doesn't something's not right with it it doesn't work out for somebody well they had that fake pinball there yes that and i kinda, don't know that was lame they they sold for 10 grand probably none i mean even if they sold one it was worth it for them to have there so we never answered the question do you think jersey jack pinball will be around in five years yeah jersey jack will be around they're bankrolled they make good products like godfather may not be a great tournament game but it's it's pretty cool and collectors like it um with all these private companies we have no idea what sales numbers are just by that you know really annoys me that they never reveal their sales i mean it's like come on we just want to know right stern are you listening be the industry leader like you are and reveal your sales up to like 2018 just go ahead and do it. Why does it matter if you say, you know, Star Trek sold 5,000 or Star Trek sold 1,000? How does that hurt you? Yeah, it doesn't really hurt Stern. It would just affect prices of all the machines and everything. I guess secondhand market maybe. So they're definitely, yeah, I don't know if they want to shake everything up. I don't know if they want to do that because that can definitely screw over people. I don't know. I think that's my Stern challenge. If anyone at Stern's listening, show us the numbers. Don't hide behind your Patreon. Pay- wait, wait, never mind ranting on something else yeah. um <laughs> anyway yeah i agree i think jersey jack will be around in five years and i think it was the right move to drop the standard model uh, i think they just need to position themselves as the luxury pinball and it would be cool if they created a model just for tournaments that maybe 
took out some of the features that tournament players don't like. Um, or it could just be the full featured game if they're using it to sell games. But I would like to see JJP in tournaments. Yeah, I mean, you would actually see them in Pinburg. Pinburg usually has, uh, they would usually put a jersey jack up there on the main stage for finals. Yeah, you, you typically see them in, in other tournaments. We're just used to playing at places that don't typically have them. Player 2 has a Willy Wonka in Appleton, so I'll be playing that in the tournament this week. So, same with Plymouth Hat. Are there, flip, are there flippers tournament ready? Well, you do what you can on location. You just play how the machine plays. I got plenty of stories, but I don't want to go into them, <laughs> really. But some of the some of the machines I've played. Wasn't taking a jab at player two. I was taking a jab on Jersey Jack. Took them a decade to get their flippers right. So maybe if they want to be in tournaments, they need to sell like a kit to for all the old games to upgrade them to the new flippers. Oh, and I wasn't I wasn't being uh, bad about player two. I'm talking about any location. There's always a little, you know, kind of play it like it is kind of thing. What about uh, CGC? I think they'll be fine. I mean, with Pulp Fiction coming out and everything, they're they're selling those things like hotcakes, you know, and uh, remaking all those big themes have definitely made them a lot of money because they can't get them anywhere else. I mean, they can only get them from Chicago Gaming Company. And and CGC is like backordered. I mean, they don't have all their Cactus Canyons out. It's a production issue you know and then now they have pulp fictions they gotta make so it gives them time for the next one whatever it may be twilight zone who knows they need a new leader or management over there it's it's getting kind of ridiculous the wait time that's like what once every three years they come out with a game uh they could make a lot more if they had a desire to make them i guess yeah that's the thing they need to up their production and if they want to do that it's to me, they're a company where their heart their heart isn't in it. Like they obviously like pinball. Someone there really likes pinball, but their manufacturing side just isn't in it. Because I feel like by now it's been a decade they would have upgraded their manufacturing if they really, you know, wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. But in five years I think they'll be around and I only think they'll be on one other game. So you'll have Pulp Fiction plus their next game and that'll be it for five years. Yeah. All right. For sure. This is a big one. Do you think Haggis will be around in five years? No way. I say no. I want to root for him. I really do. But, but man, like, wouldn't it be cool to have five more remake titles of classics with new code? That'd be great. Oh, yeah, I agree. But they can't get out the first one, really. I guess it comes down to we don't know so much about Damien, where his money comes from. Is it his personal money? Does he have a sugar daddy over there or sugar kangaroo? I mean, where's the money coming from? Yeah, we don't know that in... By not getting games out, you're not getting more income in. And by staying open, paying employees and building costs and expenses and rent and stuff like that without producing product, that's what we call in the red, you know? Yeah. So in the red for going on going three years now? I feel like being in Australia is a big factor. I don't know. Do you guys think that? It's a big negative, yeah. I think, because yeah. the shipping is expensive. Exactly. Nothing on Haggis itself, but yeah, that's... you got to admit that half the market for the world is the United States for pinball. Right. And I have a friend who paid full price, or, you know, he's paid his full bill for his uh, Fathom, and still, still nothing yet. I didn't ask him how long ago it was, but it was a while ago. Yeah, I would. my gut says it was 2021 when they took money, but I'm not quite sure. 
you could pay deposits, but then they would say your game is going to be ready in eight weeks. Please pay the rest of your, you know, balance and you paid in full and then you're supposed to get your game in eight weeks, but it's been quite longer than eight weeks for most as far as I understand. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit of deception and whatnot. And that's kind of what plagues these boutique manufacturers in non-United States. But we've had our fair share of startups that failed here. Like Suncoast comes to mind with our Cosmic Carnival. These like other ones, like maybe Dutch Pinball in their, was it the Big Lebowski? Yeah. They've been going on it, what, a decade? Yeah, but aren't they bankrolled as well? I'm not sure. I don't really know anything about them other than like when Canada rants about him. Yeah, that's about all I know. Some days he rants and some days, oh my God, that designer of Big Lebowski, he's the best designer, he'll say, better than everyone. <laughs> so so think of it this way. If Dutch Pinball is able to survive a decade on the single game, maybe Haggis can survive. True. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll get to see that centaur. Uh, who did we miss? We missed our hometown heroes, Spooky Pinball. They'll be around. They're just growing. I think they're going to be number two. Over Jersey Jack? Oh, yeah. They've got that gusto. I think that's a hot take because they, I mean, they they started off poorly, right? They rose up, and then they're back down to where they were with... Yeah, but Rick and Morty, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. With Hollow... But but Halloween and um, Scooby-Doo coming out is not good for their, for their... Like, their code was trash. Like, absolutely. It was not good. Like, they need a new programming team altogether. On what? On Scooby-Doo? Yeah. That code's not that bad. I think the modes are pretty interesting. And Halloween. Halloween, yeah, the code's kind of... Uh, it's like, if you're playing it competitively, it's just like, get the bloods and cash them in for a million apiece. It's pretty much all you want to do. So they definitely took a step back, you know, where it's like, oh, oh like Americans kind of like catching up to them a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, spooky, right? They're they're kind of the big little company. They're selling a lot of machines, but they still kind of behave in a way of like they're selling a hundred games. Yeah, with their code and. Well, okay, let's just this quick uh thing. Canada says that they have the license for the Princess Bride. Does that excite either of you? Oh, is that what he did? Like, I couldn't figure out what that trailer was he played, so I didn't know anything about that. Yes, it's The Princess Bride. Okay, I don't know that movie. I know of it. I actually have never seen it, but for someone my age, that's pretty weird, I guess. Yeah, you guys never seen it? I've seen it. You're kind of a nerd. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good movie. I, I don't care for it as a theme, though, for a pinball machine. No, and, and I guess I don't either, but I've heard other rumors for Spooky and, and Neil, and I have heard the same from some pretty close people to the Emery family. And the titles that are rumored are pretty interesting too. I think better than Princess Bride, so I think they'll be they'll be okay for a while. Well, yeah, and I don't think Princess Bride is under their like wheelhouse. It's not really their theming. You know what I mean? They more do the the horror stuff, and then of course they'll just do random crap. I've got. I want to. I want to talk directly at camera two here to Corwin. Corwin Bug Bug Emery. So here's what. Here's my ask. Cocaine Bear, Scott Denisi, you guys. There we go. Don't do Princess Bride. That would be amazing. I'd, I'd like, I think that would be pretty cool. I I would buy my first spooky, drive down to Benton after two years because I'd buy the budget base model that's $69.99 and pick it up. Yep, and it needs to be Scott Denisi that designs it because Scott Denisi yes. is carrying spooky right now on his back. Yeah, they need to kiss and make up with Scott. Bring him back. Have you seen the movie, actually? Yes, I saw it twice. Yeah, I've seen it too. It's pretty good. <laughs> 
It's really good. <laughs> the music, the music in the movie was made for Scott Denisi. There we go. Maybe we should start a homebrew. That could be our first. Okay, so we were talking about this at work today. It's probably needed realistically about a million bucks to start a pinball company. So if everyone chips in a hundred grand, that's only ten people. Could be doable. Why not have a seventeenth company who fails to make a game and then loses all the money? I think a million <laughs> seems low. Oh, didn't Spooky do it on two hundred thousand? Didn't Ben Hex say that? I don't know, but we could retheme my Transformers into a cocaine bear. Oh, I hate Transformers, <laughs> so it'd be good for retheme. Retheme that Godzilla, Godzilla into a cocaine bear. Nah. Mm, what about Walking Dead? It's a good layout. Oh yeah, just a big bear instead of the walker. Dude, Shit. Walking yeah. Dead's my second favorite game right now. You read my mind, Johnny. I think that's our target. Walking Dead, it has kind of art, so we could get a better artist on it with the cocaine bear. We just swap out the mechs and change out the bad voices. Done. We could bring it like the poor man. We'll rent out a booth at MGC and we'll bring it there in two years. Yep. <laughs> All right. It's the tribal promise, guys. If you join our Patreon and help support us, we'll do it. Oh, we don't have Patreon. Never mind. <laughs> Just uh, throw us a buck or two when you see us at a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Did we miss anyone, though, on our uh, manufacturer ladder? Uh, probably because there's a lot of little ones. Pinball Brothers? Yeah, we got to talk about Pinball Brothers because they, I mean, they got two games out. We were talking about manufacturers with one game. Come on. And, and just their name, I think of the Rick and Morty interdimensional cable with two brothers. And then shit got real when those <laughs> grannies from space. Two brothers in Europe. It's just two brothers. It's just two brothers. They have a bond, these two brothers. That's amazing. Someone should make a Rick and Morty again. If Spooky doesn't have the license anymore, I would not totally be against like Stern running it. Oh, but Justin's in trouble. Dude, I wish they kept like coding the game and adding more of the modes into it because yeah. there's supposed to be a vat of acid uh, code into it. That would be it. perfect. Uh, he ha- they had it ready, but since the Warner Brothers took over, uh, things got mixed up and they can't do certain things now. So it was all ready for vat of acid mode. That's a bummer. Yeah, it really is. But they have, you know, they've had added modes in the past to that game, which like Moon Men wasn't always in there. That's a pretty cool mode. And Scary Terry. Yeah. <laughs> what a great show in its prime. It's awesome. Pinball Brothers, gone. Five years. Oh, and five I think they're going to be around. I think that's the one company in Europe that stays. Dude, it's like the only company that's actually doing things in Europe, but it's not good. They're not doing good things. <laughs> Queen. I think last week you gave a review oh, on Queen. Dude. And- Queen is my least favorite game. I will say it again. What is uh, Space Hunt Hexa Pinball or something like that? They don't really count. They haven't even made five games. No, and then and then the uh, the guy from there got on a media of something and was saying, yeah, we don't make pinball games for pinball players. Oh, Aren't perfect. you confusing that with the home pin guy? Oh, maybe I am, yeah. I thought that was Space Hunt. That's home pin. They suck, too. Oh, cranky Mike home pin. Yeah, my, my pinball machines are for uh, uh, people who don't know pinballs so I can sucker them into buying. I don't know what he sounds like. Probably pretty cranky. <laughs> I mean, if a name like Cranky Mike, yes. He should open a pizza parlor. There's Cranky Pats. Yes, it's very good. It is. Shout out to all the pizza fans out there in pinball land. There's a lot of them. Write in to the Podcast at gmail.com and let us know your favorite pizza place. All right. Do you want to wrap things up with a um, buy, sell, burn? I I wrote up the buy, sell, burn. I mean, this is my favorite segment right here. Come on now. We got the... If it's your favorite segment, make up an intro for it right now. (laughs) Come on. You can't put me on the spot, Johnny. Okay, I got one. I just thought of it right now. 
Neil Graf's buy sell burn. Oh, that hit that that hits different. All right, we got a we got a classic lineup this time. We got to mix it up a bit. We got the three we got the three flippers, some three flipper games. Uh, one both of them with uh like the double flipper thing, you know where you scissor, scissor yourself. Right, correct. Johnny knows. All right, the games are Harlem Globetrotters, Paragon, Alien Poker. This is never easy. I mean, we got to make it hard. If this was easy, we wouldn't have this segment. All right, I'll go first, and I don't even know my answers as I'm starting to talk. I'm just going to go over the games like we're on uh, Wheel of Fortune here, 30 seconds, talk it out. Um, so Harlem Globetrotters, it's got a fun spinner shot, can really get that bonus maxed. It's got, well, it's got three spinners, actually, a saucer. Um, then we've got Paragon, which is a super wide body pin. It has great art, probably the best art. Um, interesting sounds for it being very early digital. A couple saucers, some drop targets, a spinner, and then it has the beast lair, which you never know if you're going to make it out of that. And then alien poker. I think I like that one the best because of the speech. So, okay, okay, I just figured it out right there. We're going reverse order. Buy alien poker, sell paragon, burn Harlem. There you have it. Okay. Uh, all these are pretty good games. Um, my least favorite would be paragon. The, mo the one I'd most want to play in a tournament would be Alien Poker. Um, a little more controlled, but it's kind of one-dimensional in that way. Whereas I guess Harlem can be two, but I don't play it like that. So I would buy Harlem, sell Alien Poker, and burn Paragon. All right, good lineup. I, I like all these games, right? Uh, and in a tournament, I would take all these games or pick them. So this is very hard for me. And we own two of these machines, being Harlem and Paragon. Still love Alien Poker. So I think I will buy Paragon. That's my favorite in the lineup. Sell Alien Poker and burn Harlem. Just because Harlem, I feel like, is the most basic of the lineup. Fair enough. Might as well end the podcast now, huh? You just want to end it right now. <laughs> I was going to maybe discuss anything coming up, but actually we got a kind of a slow week for pinball competitions with the uh, holiday coming up and stuff like that. Um, we'll still do TNC Pub on Wednesday, July 5th, if anybody's interested at 6 for a little quick three-strike knockout. And um, what game is there now? Because we got rid of Foo Fighters because it's at Greg Pintner's house. Um, he told me. And now I can't. Oh, Deadpool. Deadpool LE. Now at TNC Pub. Oh, nice. That'll shorten up the tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> Why waste an LE on location, though? Just get a premium. That's all he's got. Well, he's routing a Bond 60th. Yeah. That I understand. There's no cheaper Bond 60th to route. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's wrong. Somewhere up there, some pinball god was wronged by that. So those games on location are, are kept in fairly good condition. You know, there's a the Lord of the Rings, you know, the LE Gold Edition or whatever that's on route that kind of brings a tear to my eye every time I see it in the area. But um, but uh, the Lumberjack Johnnies and TNC games are, are very well maintained. And what else he's got there in that lineup? Is the fish tails still there? Um, TNC has Fishtails, Deadpool LE, uh, Toy Story 4, 
Cactus Canyon and Big Buck Hunter. Ooh. It's really an eclectic mix. Yeah, like our friends over at Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Shout out to Dennis Creasel and Tony. I kind of yelled at him when the Foo Fighters was leaving. I'm like, we need at least one modern Stern, please. So oh, yeah. I guess I got it. Yeah, Godzilla's not there anymore. No, it's in my kitchen. Oh, that's the one? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't realize you were an official location. I'll look you up on the pinball map. Yeah, we kind of left it registered uh, for verified achievements for about a week while it was in my kitchen. Shh. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Kern's going to wipe my account. I didn't do usually in my cardi cheating techniques, though, so it's all right. Well, if nothing else to talk about on the calendar, I think that wraps it up, guys. This has been episode four of the Tribal Pinball Podcast. You can reach us on Facebook under Tribal Podcast, we'll say, and on uh, Gmail at triballpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been uh, Matt McCarty. I'm Neil Graff. And Johnny Pinball signing out. See you on the flip. Hiya, baby. Higher, baby. Step in the kitchen. Get higher, baby. And don't never come down. Yeah. All winter, even snow in the summer, the high falling from the sky. Are you the hunted or the hunter? I got Tennessee numbers, I seen Tennessee numbers. The dope boys go crazy, they know I get it out the jungle. I ain't never been a runner, we ain't never had to wonder. You heard the pilot lost the load, we call that dumb and dumber. It's no storm without thunder, the bed crawls up and under. Cocaine overload, the only fuel to his hunger. Higher, baby. Higher, baby. Get higher, baby. And don't never come down, yeah. How focus on the money, I can see it crystal clear You can feel it in the air, I keep all my shooters near When it's all said and done, get the circle, get the square It's enough for us to share, see the powder's piling here We gon' push it to the limit, I just need a volunteer The scale is over there, zip locks is everywhere The kitchen's in the cloud, the powder pioneer Higher, baby. Higher, baby. Get higher, baby. And don't never come down. Yeah.